the title of my message was Why and Are You Ready? And uh, I wanted to go over, first of all, that song we just sang, Good, Good Father. I'm just going to run over a couple lines here. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. And it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. Because you know just what we need before we say a word. Because you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. That's who you are. <clears throat> well, when we sing that song and we're in church, we feel very spiritual and religious. But is that how we really, really feel? You know, right now you might say yes. But what I wanted to talk about today was have any of you ever been... <clears throat> at your wit's end corner. I came across this. I've had, um, and we're not going to go into that whole thing again, but I have been having trials, tribulations over the last five years. Physically, uh, when it wasn't me, it was my wife. <clears throat> and I've gone through a whole gamut of emotions and feelings. And I've doubted that word sometimes the song that we sing because of what I've gone through. And somebody might say, oh, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. How could you do that? Well, could you do me a favor right now before we get started? <clears throat> could you stand up for just a second? Just stand up for a second. And I'd like you all to just point to yourself. Point to yourself. Okay? All right? Just hold it. Everybody turn around and look at everybody that's pointing to themselves. Where's your hand? It's on your heart. This is where you live. <laughs> you can sit down now. I want a heart. <laughs> Have to forgive me because... Every once in a while, one night talk about uh, the heart of God. The Holy Spirit just comes on me. <laughs> and it's simple that we have trials and tribulations in the world. We have trials and tribulations in the world. And somehow I missed it. You know, when I became a Christian because I came out of a hellish lifestyle, I figured I'm never going to have to deal with troubles. What is it about us that when we come to the Lord, we feel like if we do the right thing, things are going to be right, right? We do wrong things, we know we, we, wrong things happen. But that's so far from the truth. And I'd like to proclaim today that everybody knows that we should read the Bible. Everybody knows that. 
But I'm telling you, <coughs> the older I get and the more experience I get, this book is the essence of life. You can't live without it. And we don't realize how blessed we are. You know, back in the old days, they didn't have even the Old Testament. They had their scriptures they went over, but they didn't even have the New Testament. We've got the Old Testament. We've got the New Testament. Have you ever wondered why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain? One of the reasons is Paul, if you understand his background, he knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And then when Jesus knocked him off of his horse and he became a person that wrote two-thirds of the Bible, uh, the New Testament, he had a connection with Jesus, who Jesus was. And he had both the best wor- both of the best worlds. And we can have the same thing. We can have the same thing. But most people, they don't run to the Word. Most people... Come see, come saw. You know how many people in the world don't even have a Bible, that want a Bible, that don't even know exactly what their purpose in life is. I want to share something I wrote. One of the things that I've learned through all of my uh, trials and tribulations, if you will, is sometimes I picture us, I'm a picture person. If I can catch a picture of it, I, 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 I know, I get that concept, and I can picture it. But sometimes I feel like, have you ever seen a little uh, toddler running around and having fun, and he dirtied his diaper, right? And we're all sitting in the room. All right, I want you to picture this, okay? Maybe this is a little, um, well, I just have to talk to you from my heart, okay? And he's running around, and everybody's going, you know, snip, you know, and, and this kid is oblivious to the fact that he has a dirty diaper. He's having a ball, and he's running around, and he's running around, and then somebody makes a mention. Is somebody going to change him? Is somebody going to change him? Well, I, my picture is all of us Christians that are just running around, busy doing our things and doing this and doing that, and we get a dirty diaper and we don't even realize it, and we're affecting other people. Because so many times people are saying, well, what I do doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect anyone else. I mean, it only affects me. The fact is it affects everybody else. So God does something which I call putting you in the tumbler. Does anybody know what a tumbler is? That's when you have these rough stones and you put a solution and you put them in a tumbler and they tumble and they tumble and they tumble and you take them out in a week or two. And what are they? A nice, beautiful, shiny stone. But when you put them in the tumbler, they look terrible. Well, God changes our diapers and what he does is he puts us in the tumbler to knock the rough edges off so that we'll come out looking like a beautiful stone. But we have this tendency to feel like we're already here in heaven. We're not here. We're not there yet. Nobody gets a free pass. And Jesus warned us. He warned us in, uh, in John. 
um, when I, it was uh, chapter 16, okay, and it was uh, verse 33, and it was the key verse that we had here today, <clears throat> and it says, uh, see where if I got it here, John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Well, when we go through these hurts and trials, let me give you some examples of hurts and trials, okay? Um, I've, I've read some articles, and, uh, you know, many people always want to hold God responsible. You know, when we look at the news, you see tragic things happening all the time. Innocent people getting killed. Churches having people come in and, shoot them and bombs going off and innocent things and many people are asking god is god responsible is he responsible for the human sufferings is god cruel and vindictive or is he too weak is he too weak to prevent suffering so if god is sovereign how can he let someone he loves suffer i mean we have scriptures like you know for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son and God, over and over throughout the Bible, tells us how much he loves his people. So then that, I ask you that question. Have you ever asked why? Have any of us ever asked why? Why, why is this happening? You know, we get this um, uh, sense of entitlement, okay? In other words, hey, when I went through, what I've been going through for the last five years, I'm like, hello? You know, uh, God, I, I've, I've sold out to you for 45 years. I have to go through this. I, I have to go through this sickness. Well, what's it like? You, you'll say, you say to yourself, well, no, I can't. I understand that. I understand that. Well, how, well let me, let, let me uh, slip my shoes on your feet right now. You know that it's not a case of having faith that God heals. I've asked God to heal me numerous times. I've had so much prayer, I've lost count of how many times I had prayer. Well, how do you think I felt when the other day, and, and this is not to down anybody, but I just want to let you know why sometimes people say, why? Is that Dory gets up and says, I feel like there's a spirit of healing here. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that or not. And so I'm constantly there. I'm there. I wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, I talk to the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting? When I talk to the Holy Spirit, he answers me, Norm. Hi, Norm. And then when I say, you know, I'm really, I'm really, you know, wigging out, you know, I funked out about this thing. And he goes, and, and when he talks to me, he goes, we're working on it. And he always says, we're, which is the plural which I couldn't figure it out at first, and I was thinking, well, it's God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We're working on it. So every morning I get up, I say, is this the morning? Is this the morning? Is this the morning that I'm going to be able to walk? And so it's not a lack of faith. And so when she had people raise their hand and say, if you need to be healed and so forth, and so I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, okay, this is it. This is it, Lord. This, this is my time. This is my time. Nothing. And then Lori gets up. 
Oh, I came in here, I had a, a bad sciatic nerve, and I'm completely healed. And I, I praise God for that. <clears throat> that was a miracle. <clears throat> you can't take that away. But how do you think I felt? God, why, why wasn't it me? <laughs> Where's my turn? Well, what I'm finding out is that when God puts us in the tumbler, he loves us so much that we can't see the future. He sees the future. He knows the future. And so he says that he will answer. In the scriptures, it says, ask me or ask my father anything in my name and it'll be yours. Well, I'm hoarse from asking him. But you know what? In this life, people do one or two things. When tragedies hit, when you don't have answers to prayer, you're going through something, they do one or two things. One, <clears throat> they'll either draw closer to God, or the second thing is they pull away from God. Uh, I have a... <clears throat> I have an uh, article I read, which I thought was absolutely astounding, <coughs> about such cases. And I'm sure you know one of these. Um, let's see if I can find it here. This is about, um, th this was the whole situation about uh, uh, Charles Darwin. Now, I think you all know that's a famous name. Okay, the evolutionist, Charles Darwin. <clears throat> what a lot of people don't know is that Charles was going to be a minister. He went to a, a college of theology, okay? But listen what happened, okay? This is where, what I'm saying. There's two responses. Man's usual response to tragedy is to blame God. An example is Charles Darwin. After the death of his beloved daughter, Annie, in 1851, from tuberculosis, Annie's cruel death destroyed Charles' tatters of beliefs in the moral and a just universe. Later, he would say, quote, that this period caused the final end for his Christianity. Okay? From then on, Charles took his stand as an unbeliever and would be used as a tool to undermine the Christian belief of creation, which impacts the world to this very day. Did anybody, did anybody know that? That's, a, that's, that's amazing. He pulled away. Has anybody ever heard of Charles Templeton? Charles Templeton was the best friend of Billy Graham when they were evangelists. In fact, uh, well, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, uh, Charles Templeton was who they thought was going to be the Billy Graham. But he saw an article, okay? Charles saw an article in Time magazine <clears throat> of an African woman holding a baby that was dead, dying in her hands because of starvation or whatever. And Satan came in and planted a seed in his heart saying, how, how, how could a loving God allow that to happen? And he died, okay, not an atheist, okay, but he died um, just not believing that there is a loving God. And what's interesting to me is when, uh, when he was interviewed years later uh, by Lee Strobel, do you know the case for Christ, okay? He said the thing that amazed him the most over the 
interview with Templeton was is that he, he held that stand right to the end when he started having Alzheimer's. And he said, yes, that's the way I feel. Um, you know, I'm an agnostic, okay? And then he asked the, the pertinent question, what do you believe about Jesus? And he goes, oh, Jesus is real. Jesus is really real. And I know that he did what he did. And so... He says what astounded him was he got this kind of far away look in his eyes and he goes, I miss him. <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> Yet he, he died lost because he just couldn't understand. Understand what God was doing in our lives and we can't understand everything he does. We have tragic things that happen. How do you get a, a brand new married couple that are Christians that were the head of their youth group get into a tragic accident on their, on their, uh, <clears throat> on their honeymoon and both of them die and the drunk walks away completely untouched? How do you put some sense to that? How do you put some sense to that Bad things will happen to good people. How do you do that? If God is so loving, if God is so sovereign, if God is so in control, well, I want to tell you something. You know, first of all, I don't even begin to compare myself with God's intelligence, okay? So here I am, <clears throat> just one little human pointing my finger at God and saying, this is unfair, this is unfair. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve it. And I feel like <clears throat> God speaks to me and says, you're right, you don't deserve that. You deserve death. And if it hadn't been for my son, you would all die. There would be no mercy. But what God does, whatever God allows, God redeems. Whatever, I repeat that, whatever God allows, he redeems. That's what he is. He's into redemption. He redeems us, each one of us. And he takes that rough stone. Um, Chelsea, <clears throat> you could show that picture of just the, the rough stones. You see those stones up there, okay? They're, they're pretty, but they're rough. They look terrible. You can show the smooth stones now. That's what happens when he gets done with us in the tumbler. And that's what he, you know, the, the scripture says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are high and the, and than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts more than your thoughts. Well, I, I need to tell you that out of all of this uh, situation that I've gone through with my health, I need to tell you that I am in a place where I was that little baby running around with a dirty diaper, just so busy raising my family, my business, and just taking care of things. I, I came to church, I tithed, I did my thing, I read the Word, not maybe consistently, but I read the Word, you know, and I knew the Word, and I had a wonderful <clears throat> teacher, which is Ernest Gentile. But truthfully, I chose that when all this began to happen, and you've heard the story a million times, 
business went under, lost my house, health went. Listen, you, you know what it's like to feel, okay, I call it you've been had. You know what had is? H-A-D, right? Had, okay? That's where you've been hurt, abandoned, and you doubt. You can write that down, had. When we aren't walking with the Lord and building our house on solid rocks, we can be had, each one of us. Don't think you can't be had. And you young people, I want to tell you young people, if you haven't had a real trial, a real tribulation, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. You're going to have it because we live in a broken world. And God warns us. He says you're going to have problems in this world. And then James goes on to say, when you're really hurting, this is the last thing you want to read is James 1, 1 okay, when he goes, count it all joy. <laughs> count it all joy. Joy, are you out of your mind? Well, let me tell you, for the first time in my life, I understand that scripture because my father, since it's Father's Day, my father died in 1977. My folks got divorced when I was 16. And, <clears throat> and he died in 1977. I graduated in 65. He uh, quickly moved to Durango, Colorado and was completely out of my life for eight years. And so I, I just took that, I took that chest and I, I just closed it. I was not connected to my father whatsoever. My father comes back in 1977 and says that he's got prostate cancer. I never got the privilege of going adult to adult with my father. You understand? You don't start that when he comes back and he's fighting for his life. The good news is that he did get saved. But I, when he died, I, I had no connection to my dad. I didn't even grieve. I didn't grieve that my dad died. And so I just put it in the trunk and closed it. And over, <clears throat> Judy started um, talking to me, and she's saying, well, now that you have time, and now that you, you know, why don't you write an autobiography? Your children know that you lived on a ranch, but your children don't know any stories. And I had just closed that whole part of my life. Now, this is where I'm talking to you about being in, in the tumbler. God knew that I had some real areas of hurt and real areas of things that I hadn't dealt with for years. So I'd always, if you would have asked me a year ago, well, why do you think you're the way you are? Well, my mom was very critical. My dad was a perfectionist. He was a police officer for a lot of his life. So that's the reason why I'm kind of messed up, because I could never please my father, and my mom was critical of everything I did, no matter what. That's just who it was, right? Okay. So as I started the autobiography, thank you, Judy Phillips, and she pressing me saying, you need to do this, you need to do this for your grandkids, and you need to do this for your kids. And as I started going through these stories, oh my God, I started connecting with my dad. <laughs> he wasn't just a perfectionist, he did all kinds of things. And I had all these stories about when we were on the ranch. My dad taught me how to shoot. 
My dad taught me how to ride. My dad taught me how to fish. We had done fun things. We had taken trips. I rode a horse from here in San Jose all the way to Sacramento to a fair. It took us five days. You want a, a bun buster, that's it. <coughs> On horseback, slepping barns, had chickens <laughs> running over our face early in the morning. And all of a sudden, I'm going, oh my God. You know, I started missing my father. And so it was God's way. See, I would have never done this if I would have been totally healthy. I would have been, I would have been like JJ, man. I would have been down here, helping here, helping there, doing this, running a business. I still have my business. But I had time, and God knew it, and God wanted me to stop and take a breath and say, you know, this is what I want to do. You're in the tumbler. It hurts, and it hurt. But then I, I would I'd go at that night and I'd tell the stories to Judy. And Judy would go, these are great stories. You know, and, I, I, and then all of a sudden I found that I had the ability to write. I never thought if you would have said, hey, are you a writer? I would have said, forget it. I can't write anything. I have a hard time communicating, you know. And, and so, but through this, this is the process God does with each one of us. And all I can tell you is, you need to follow the essence of life. If you are going through something right now, and you're in the tumbler right now, or you've been in the tumbler, I want you to know that God loves you. And what he's doing for you right now is he's preparing you for heaven, where there'll be no tears There'll be no heartbreaks. There'll be no tribulation. There'll be no tragedies. He wants you to enter in as a good and faithful servant and come into the joy of the Lord. That's what we're looking for. We have this tendency to feel like everything that we're going through right now, oh, is this ever going to end? Is this ever going to end? Life is so short here compared to eternity. We're going to be in, in eternity with the Lord where there's no suffering. There's no, there's no tumbler. You'll be perfected, and that's what he's doing. And he's doing that in each one of our lives. Do you know, what can we do as Christians when we know another Christian's going through it? Well, let me tell you something. There's two things. I'm really, really thankful with my whole heart. That's the Word of God. The Word of God. And the second thing is the body of Christ. People are going, what? The body of Christ? Well, let me tell you. I'll give you another word picture. I like word pictures. I get it with word pictures. The sequoia, the tree that goes up 300 feet. Some of them are from the time of Christ. Okay, they're so big it takes like six men holding their arms to go around them. They weigh, I don't know how much, but do you know that they only have a tap root of 12 to 14 feet with a 300 foot tree? I don't think we understand what 300 feet looks like, but that's a huge amount. And how big this tree is, it only has a 12 to 14 foot tap root, but you know what it does? Its roots go out to over an acre, over 90 
thousand pounds of dirt. And it, it entangles itself around the other trees and the others. That word picture is, that's what we need in the body of Christ. That we are like the sequoia, but the body of Christ is where our roots go out and all the other trees and all the earth holds us together. You know, I never claim to be Mr. Quick Fix It, okay? In other words, uh, I'd like to tell you that, you know, take this pill and tomorrow at 10 o'clock, you're going to feel a lot better. You know, I'll be like that Mr. Pillow guy. Well, you look better. I knew you would, you know. I'd love to tell you that, but that doesn't happen. He works because a tumbler is just that. You know, how many people know that if you were a live person and you were a tumbler, it would be a little uncomfortable? But look, look at the results. Beautiful stones. Beautiful stones. And that's what we have to do is we have to look, keep our eye on the prize. What's the prize? You know, many times we quote that scripture. It says, God will work all things together for good, right? Let's just turn... Let's just turn to Romans. <clears throat> Where are we here? Uh, Romans 8.28. Now listen what it says. We quote this one like I think almost every Christian other than John 3.16 got this one down, Okay. When it goes, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, here's the part we kind of skip over, number 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Folks, when we are born again, we, that process is starting where we are being conformed into the likeness of Jesus. And I hate to burst your bubble, but if you don't read this word, if you just think that you don't need anything like trials or tribulation or wake-up calls, that you are just going to be Mr. Spiritual, Norm Phillips, Doctor of Divinity, I don't need anything, I've got it all together, I'm so spiritual, that's not true. You know, the times that we seek God so much is when we are having problems. That's when we seek God. He knows that. He's a jealous God. And he knows what's going to be at the end. He knew that I was going to write that autobiography. He knew that I needed that healing. And then, <laughs> this is crazy. I'll share this with you. I, I don't, not everybody knows this, but you know the, the big thing nowadays is the DNA, the DNA testing, right? Well, I have a niece that's nutsy, and she wants to go do the DNA testing, right? Well, I get word about six weeks, eight weeks ago that I have an 80-year-old brother. He's 81 now. 80 what? Mind you, when I have gone through eight, nine months of connecting, writing these stories about my father and connecting with my father, I only had three sisters my whole entire life. And I found out this was a fling that my dad had when he was 17. She was 15. She gave the baby up for adoption. 
So he wanted to know he never knew who his mother and father were. I mean, that profoundly affected me. But you know what? God knew that was going to happen because he wanted to know something about our dad because he never had our dad. So I offered to share some of my stories with him. That could have never happened. And so I could, I could tell you thing after thing after thing that I look back and I say, ah, I get it. I get it. I understand this now. I understand it. So if you're here today and you are, have had uh, a tragedies or you've had tribulation, hang in there. Hang in there. If you're in the midst of the tumbler right now, hang in there, Fran. Hang in there. Because you know what? I've got, I've got some stones here that for those that feel like they have been in it, in the tumbler, okay, you can take one of these stones home with you and always remember it. This is what I'm going to look like, not what I am looking like.